This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. Welcome to the House of Hockey podcast. It is episode 110 and 10. 110. I'm Ray Ray. (laughs) And I'm Breezy. (laughs) And this episode, we have one of the guests that we have been promising you over the last few weeks that we've been working on getting on the books. And we talked to Piper Shaw. She is the a TV host and reporter uh, that works for Root Sports Northwest. That's sort of like the Fox Sports, Valley Sports, et cetera, for uh, the Northwest of the United States. And she covers the Seattle Kraken. And she gave us such incredible insight on so many different things. Yes, the not team. just tracking. Yeah, uh, it was Minnesota. She's from Minnesota, so we tapped into Ray's famous Minnesota Wild that she thinks nobody <laughs> talks about ever. So we made sure to talk about them a lot, um, and we had some super, super great detailed responses uh, from Piper. Uh, we learned a lot about Seattle as well and the cracking and the fans. Uh, she really gave yeah. us a good insight on that fan base and how the team is so responsive to the fan base and how like all of it's based around them. Uh, Great analysis of the Kraken as a whole, like their team currently and how they can look to improve in the years and sort of why, how the team ended up being how they are this year and how their season ended up playing out because of a number of factors. We talked about, so much great insight about the players, some of the players and their personalities, which I geek out over. Um, you're going to love this conversation with her. She's a super smart uh, hockey reporter. She knows her stuff. She knows her hockey. You're going to be in for a real treat. Well, I don't really have anything too crazy. I was just interested in a couple different topics uh, the other day. So I Googled, um, first of all, if there are any if there is a number that only one player wears uh, in the NHL currently, could you take any guesses on if there's only one number and what that number could be? Because there is only one number. Did I I'm going to go, yeah, like the, okay. ju- the number on their jersey, the player's number, their player yeah. jersey number. There's, yes, only, there's only one, one player, player in the whole league who wears this specific number. Yes. I'm going to guess one. Okay. That's my guess. What's the answer? Number one? Yeah. Oh, no. There's like five people that wear the number one. Who? I mean, I don't, I, I could really look at it and give you a breakdown. All right, fine. What's the number? 87. Sidney Crosby is the only person wearing the number 87. I feel like I should. I feel like I knew that. Yeah. But he's the only player. He's the only player. And it's funny. Is that like a rule? Like nobody else is allowed to wear 87 on any other team? I mean, it'll probably end up being retired like Gretzky, right? I mean, no one else will probably wear the number 87 in the league. Um, But I thought there might be other numbers that are either not worn or may only have one current player that, that wears it. But every other number seems to have two to like 10 other players that are wearing the number. So I just thought that was super interesting. That is, that and is very interesting. Else that's super interesting is I'm currently taking like a nutrition class. Right. So I was like, huh, I wonder if any current NHL players are following a specific diet and there's only one current player. I think it's current that follows a vegan diet. Could you guess who is the only player on a vegan diet right now. Again, it could have changed, but as far as I know, I think it's still active. 
I, my first thought was Connor McDavid, like that he would be like very forward thinking and like, let me try this and see how this makes me play better. Uh But I feel like that's probably not the answer and it's probably very obvious. So what is it? It's, I don't think it's very obvious. Oh, okay. Who is it? Zadino Chara. What? Yeah. I read that. Chara is vegan? Apparently he's vegan. He he came up on my search. It could, I mean, he probably may not be now. I think he still is. So obviously don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure he is. Well, I know he is the only one that is coming up as being a vegan uh, in the NHL right now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I got. I played a tourist in my local town uh, this weekend. A friend of mine came up to visit and we did all the touristy things and had a nice time and that's all I got very cool I, yeah let's yeah I'm, I'm good <laughs> you gotta study you got finals oh my god Breezy's gotta go uh, and she's hungry here's our interview with Piper enjoy everybody This week's episode of the House of Hockey podcast is brought to you by Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, that's THPN, for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and over. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome to the House of Hockey podcast. Piper Shaw, who covers the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell everybody basically who you are, what you do, what you cover, where you came from. Give us the old time lapse of it. Oh, the old time lapse. Where to begin? Uh, <laughs> like the 60 I, second time lapse, you know, yeah, the short yeah. one. <laughs> uh, so I'm from St. Cloud, Minnesota, originally uh, born and raised there. And I went to college there. And um, if you're not familiar with St. Cloud, Minnesota, there's not a lot there other than a college hockey team. And uh, the whole state of Minnesota is obviously the state of hockey, where hockey is literally just a part of everyday life. My high school was on a lake. We played hockey in gym class on the lake. Like It's just like part of the, you know, the whole thing. So anyways, uh, I went to school for broadcasting. I had my first job working in local news in Madison, Wisconsin, TV news. And there was an opportunity to move into the um, sideline role or rinkside role for the Wisconsin Badgers hockey team, which was part, which was for Fox Sports Wisconsin, which is like the sister network of Fox Sports North, which is the network in Minnesota that I grew up watching new people at, et cetera, et cetera. So I moved into that role and I covered more than just hockey for them. I covered all the high school sports, but then I also would cover a lot of stuff at Marquette, which is part of the Big East Conference, but is in Wisconsin, which nobody really considers the East, but it's, it is what it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah. anyways, I, after I was there for three and a half ish seasons, uh, I really, really wanted to go work for an NHL team. But I specifically, when I found out Seattle was getting a new hockey team, like I immediately, I was like, I want to go work for that team. So then I spent two and a half years trying to figure out how I could get there and I'm here. So now I work for Root Sports which is the network here in the Pacific Northwest, the regional sports network. And we cover the Seattle Kraken. Oh, awesome. Quite the, uh, <laughs> quite the little adventure there for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Why this, why Seattle? Why the Kraken? Why the new team? 
Well, one, it just being a new team is, you know, exciting, of course. But also, yeah. I always was curious about Seattle because, and my suspicions were confirmed, but it's kind of similar to Minnesota while also being different. Like, it has this whole, you know, up north, big trees, water, vibe, hiking, like that whole kind of um culture and lifestyle which is very similar to minnesota there are things that are different but in general the vibes i knew were going to be similar and also this isn't the most important thing in the world but um my husband played hockey and he loves hockey but he does not want to move anywhere where it is not cold half the year and he so for him when we're talking about markets that he would be willing to move to new york out of the question florida out of the question arizona out of the question vegas out of the question Texas out of the question. So he was like, Canada, Columbus, <laughs> like, <laughs> like we could go to Detroit, you know? So uh, that also helped that it was the kind, you know, it's the kind of uh, environment that he also wanted to be in and that we're relatively adjusted to. So nice. Um, and what is the team culture fan base like? What describe the Seattle Kraken experience and fans? What is it? If you ask Todd by Wiki, who's you know the head of this team, this the you know he spearheaded this entire organization from the beginning. He tells you that this entire organization is about Seattle sports fans from what they picked for their colors and their branding and their arena. And, you know, they surveyed people constantly and it's the 32,000 people that put down those, those deposits for those season tickets. And so they've really built the organization and are still adjusting along the way to how their fans react. Instead of it being like, this is what we want to do. It's like, if our fans like don't like that, they'll, they will literally read and react. So they've really purposefully built this team to, one be like progressive in the sports world in the sense of like kind of pushing the envelope of what you've seen in the NHL or in professional sports in general. Um, even just in terms of like how they use social media and they've got well, how they do their merch. They, you know, they've got all kinds of deals with different, you know, fashion lines and companies so that their merch is uh, unique and interesting and just all those kinds of things. You know, all of our warm up jerseys for the hockey is for everyone nights are all from local artists. They bring in local bands to all the shows. They, they just really have tried to make it all about Seattle and what Seattle sports fans like. And so I think that you have this incredible reaction from the fans because it's literally made and built with them in mind. That's incredible. And the arena itself, I mean, there were stories so cool. of, I mean, can you dive into the arena for those of, that are listening that don't really know? Yes. The So obviously I was not here back in the day in Seattle when it was Key Arena, but it used to be Key Arena. It's in the heart of the Seattle center, city center. Um, so it's right in the heart of the city. Apparently, from what I've been told, Key Arena is where the Supersonics used to play. But from what I was told, what I have been told is that Kirina used to have horrendous acoustics, like was all in all not an ideal event arena for anything is what I've been told. Never been there, but that's just what I you know, have gathered. But the city, I, can't, I don't know exactly if it was the city or the state or the county or what, but they deemed the building or the, the roof on this building to be a historical landmark, meaning that you could not tear it down. Um, so when Seattle was bringing a hockey team here, they knew that they wanted to, you know, build this team in this arena in the city, in the heart of the city. They didn't want to push it out to, you know, a suburb where there's a little bit more land and Seattle's extremely developed. There's, because we're between water and mountains, like there's really no open space left in the city limits here. So anyways, they had to suspend this roof and dig underneath it through a pandemic for, you know, three, four years they're working on this project. Ended up being well over a billion dollars to do this. But not only have they been able to restore the roof, but they've kind of completely changed the landscape around what the arena used to be. And it's called Climate Pledge Arena. It's the world's first um, carbon neutral. There's there's a specific phrasing around it but basically yeah, carbon yeah. zero carbon zero carbon net neutral whatever it yeah, is one of those things yeah it's something like that um arena so wait, and have, is that why it's underground was because of the roof situation no 
I don't think that it's underground because of that. I think it was okay. just needing the room because they couldn't build out at all. Okay. I I believe. Um, but okay. yeah, it didn't used to be a subterranean arena to my knowledge. And it, there's still, but yeah, the, the ice is literally underground. So when you go to the arena, like the elevator says, lower level one, lower level two, lower level three, <laughs> lower level four. And then like one is like the top level. So it's a little confusing if you don't quite understand the, it doesn't feel like you're like underground. So it's just a, it's different, but there's also, I mean, they've done so much in that place. I could talk about the arena alone for so, so long. Like they don't have any single use plastics there. There's everything is like compostable or like the cups. If you buy a beer or metal, uh, it's all, they've got some of the best food. They have some local like Seattle kind of chain restaurants in there they got one of Shaq's chicken places in there their yeah. flagship team store is so cool even the ice like the ice is made of Seattle rainwater they have this whole system in there where they gather rain in Seattle and they turn it into the ice so like and that's just I'm not even scratching the surface like yeah. it's incredible I mean it makes sense that it's underground obviously for the Kraken but um, I've heard, I've never been to Seattle, but I've heard that there's a lot of underground and not just, we're not just talking about underground music here, but like underground, like tunnels where you can do like whiskey tasting and stuff like that. I mean, is that true? I have not done it, but I have been made aware of that. Like there's lots of little speakeasies. <laughs> I know that a big tourist thing is there's the Seattle underground tour. There's, yeah, there's like some tunnels through some neighborhoods. Um, I don't know exactly why or for sure what the significance is but you're definitely right breezy like there's definitely underground things here lots of i mean i've been to shows that are at venues where you go like two two levels below to some basement and that's where the band's gonna be and you're like all right so again it, it <laughs> all ties vibe. Back, yeah it all ties back into the seattle thing to have it underground whether it was meant to be or not yeah i guess so yeah yeah so how would you describe the fans then? Like they are, they like local music, obviously they are eco-conscious. Um, but when they're in the arena, like, are they chanting? Are they just responding to what uh, the like PA guy is, is playing, you know, like, let's go crack it. You know, like, what is that sort of experience in there? Are they really loud? Are they banging on the glass or like, what's their vibe? Cause there are so many different fan personalities throughout the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, multiple things here the, the one of the things is that hockey is new to a lot of fans in right, seattle right. so i know that one slight gripe that old hockey fans have had with some of the new hockey fans is that uh some of the fans don't necessarily understand like hockey arena etiquette or culture necessarily so like not getting up until there's a whistle like not getting up from your chairs until there's a whistle that's been like a thing i see all the time of people being like upset because people just don't know. I don't know that there's a lot, like I wouldn't say that they know or that I hear necessarily a ton of like the traditional hockey chants. Like you don't hear them chanting like Siv, 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 or, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, they definitely, there's like the, you know, lithium is the goal song and they'll cheer, you know, let's go Kraken. And mm -hmm. so I also think though, you know, the team is still figuring out what kind of chance and what kind of branding, you know, they want to uh, disperse into the fan base and the fans will find their stuff. Um, you know how during the national anthem, a lot of fan bases will have like one word that they'll shout out that I've heard multiple times fans trying to pick what they want, like their thing to be <laughs> so you'll hear random words just like get shouted, but nobody's quite on the same page yet like red glare is one that people love to sh like the rockets red that. glare because the crackers has that eye um there's a couple other ones i can't remember off the top of my head so there's i think they're still just figuring it out i mean i think the the arena is so loud people definitely scream they definitely cheer the acoustics in that place are the probably the best in the world because they built it to to be like that i've seen some shows there and they like some some music concerts and they've been just incredible so i'm sure that those acoustics help with the uh the yeah. noise level but 
Yeah, they've been great. And even if the even if fans don't necessarily like they're not lifelong hockey fans or they don't necessarily know exactly what's happening the entire time during the game, they're still into it. And more than anything, they're still passionate and trying to learn. Like they are they've just literally dove headfirst. So that's also that's great, great to see. What's been your highlight, most memorable, incredible piece of this inaugural season experience for you? Well, there's multiple different aspects that have been highlights like in different ways, like in terms of like my career or just getting to see things like in the city and with the team, like there's lots of just different things. But for me, this is my first time covering an NHL team beyond just following it. This is my first time actually having to like really dig in and build relationships like with an NHL PR staff and coaching staff and players and stuff. And so for me, that's been not necessarily a huge learning experience because it's mostly the same as college hockey and college sports is just like an extra level kind of up and, you know, people are getting paid to be there. And so there's like a little bit more serious there. And, but also since it's the first year of everything, everybody else is kind of figuring out that stuff too. But I would say, I mean, in terms of just like a really cool thing to get to be a part of, um, you know, having Mark Giordano as like the first captain of the team and his, you know, his silver stick ceremony and all of that. And just getting to know him, even though he's now with the Leafs, that's, that's just cool as somebody who, you know, grew up watching hockey and getting to, you know, meet some of the players that I was aware of as a teenager and stuff like that, like Jordan Eberle. And, um, so that's, that's been cool. And, and another highlight for me too, has just been getting to see players that I covered when they were in college in the NHL. Like when Keandre Miller, who um, plays for the Rangers, when he was like in town, I was just like walking down the hallway and I passed him and he was like, Piper, what are you doing here? And I was like, I work here. And he was like, what? And it's just like, so that's been kind of like a highlight and like Cole Caulfield and like a couple of the other guys that like I covered when they were teenagers. Like that's just been fun to get to see them grow into these roles, I would say. But I don't know, there's too many highlights to even share. <laughs> Tell us a little bit then about more about the team, the players, like who's the funny guy, who's the prankster, who's the DJ, who's the hype man? Like give us a little insight into your personal experience with the people you've talked to and, and what you can share. Yeah, so one thing I'll say just right off the bat is that we haven't had a necessarily a traditional uh, experience in terms of getting to really know the guys a lot because of COVID. Like we still can't go in the locker room. We haven't been able to be in the locker room at all the entire season. Um, and a lot of our everything has still been very like social distanced. And, and that's not just like for our, the TV network, that's like for everybody and like a lot of the staff and stuff. So we haven't gotten to spend as much time really just sitting down and like chatting with them as humans, maybe as we right. would traditionally get to, or would like to. So we're looking forward to having that next year. But I would say that, I, I mean, I still have talked to most all of them several times, obviously. <laughs> uh, when I've asked the guys who the goofiest guy on the team is at first who he's no longer on the team, but people used to say Nathan Bastion without hesitation. He's not on the team anymore. Now people tend to say Will Borgen, but also Joey Decord is just an absolute delight, an absolute character. He's obviously the, um, our goaltender that we pull up from the Charlotte checkers to play if Drieger or Grubauer is injured. He also is having, he just won AHL goaltender of the month and he is like absolutely killing it so nice. good for him but every time he comes up to the big club the Kraken's like media team they're like trying to get all the content from Joey that they can because he's just such a character um I've been told I believe people say that like Tanev's not in the locker room Brandon Tanev's not in the locker room a ton anymore since being injured but I remember that people used to say that he liked he liked to be the dj and he always had some new tunes um so uh yeah i know that one of my favorite things about chris drieger is that he told me blink 182 is his favorite musical artist and his favorite genre is like early pop punk 2000s music and that resonates with me so i like that Riley Shahan's really cool. He plays a guitar and he writes music and he's really into like, like folk music, singer, songwriter. 
he's got his own podcast where he talks a lot about like mental health and um, that's really important to him. And I think that's, that's cool too. Just like he's, he's a professional hockey player, but he's also a dad. And he also has his like side project of his, you know, his passion for talking about mental health and his podcast and he makes music and there's, there's a lot going on there. So you know, the the way the sport has been for so long, we don't always get to hear these things about the players and, and develop more um, uh, more of a connection as a fan with them, right? Like then you like them more or cheer for them more because you're like, oh, I love talking about mental health. You know, these things, I think hearing these little things make a big deal to fans in the long run um, to giving us a little bit of a glimpse into who these guys who really are because they are so well-versed in, you know, giving the standard hockey answers. At least most of them are. Yeah. You've got a couple of the guys who are, you know, a little more flexible and can, can vary their things. So I like hearing these stories. Yeah, I would say, like, to your point about hockey players typically just being relatively stoic, they tend to say that's been one thing is, like, a lot of the media out in this market have never covered hockey before. A lot of them. <laughs> so they're like, what? So <laughs> what like, is this? Like, the concept of hockey culture and yeah. hockey locker rooms and building relationships with hockey players, it's completely different. And I mean, I know that because I come from the state of hockey, but, like, they, it's a completely different kind of athlete archetype you don't put people in boxes necessarily but your typical nfl player mlb player nba player and hockey player it's hockey players have a whole whole different vibe and i'm yeah i'm sure that yeah you are aware of that but um <laughs> yeah it's a very different yeah you're you're right it's just a very different culture it's a very humble quiet uh you know keep your head down kind of sport probably yep. because it's a lot of them are Canadian <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, the Canadian vibe, but yeah, yeah and it's, it's still truly, I think a team team sport. I mean, you, so many of the answers, as I'm sure you've heard over your career are, you know, we, we, we never, I, um, and that's something that Breezy and I both love so much about this sport and, you know, don't want that change. So it's, we talk about this here a lot of like, where is that balance of getting, to know the players a little bit more, but not becoming like, you know, a, a Kardashian on social media <laughs> and like, yeah. but also keeping that team mentality, right? Cause like when the individual individuality is too much, it takes away from the team and, and what the history of, you know, that culture is so. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I would say too, and obviously I'm biased because I love hockey more than any other sport, but in other, in other sports, sometimes having one or two star players, like can be enough to carry you to have a really good season. Not the case with hockey. If that were the case with hockey, then the Leafs and the Oilers, they would be uh, crushing it season after season, but they're not it's like, thank you. That's now, the but... argument I say over and over Piper. And oh. I get shit on all the time by Parise. I'm like, they're not going to win a Stanley cup because you can't have two players on your team that are great. Yeah, like, I mean, and again, I'm biased. And I, I'm Austin Matthews and, you know, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and Mitch Marner, like, they are all fantastic athletes. Like, they are literally, yes. like, some of the best in this game, undoubtedly. Like, that's not, that's not an argument. But you look at teams that are winning games always, and it's because they've got four, five, six guys that are all right about the same and even more importantly than that, have chemistry. And that's another thing about this sport, you know, like you're saying team sport, you need that chemistry and you need to be able to like, we just, the Kraken just played the Minnesota wild the other day. Talk about a team that is just overflowing with chemistry is the Minnesota wild and star power. Like, like of course, Kirill Kaprizov is an incredible hockey player, but you look at Kevin Fiala, you look at Matt Zuccarello, like they are all just contributing like all throughout the lineup, just full depth. And yes, you have those two guys who can finish those plays, but yeah, anyways, I, I'm just, and you just look at like, just like no look passes all over, just the vision, the chemistry. It's just, it's obvious, especially if you have an eye for hockey versus 
when you're, you know, when you see guys try to like bank a pass off the wall, no one's there. Like it's just a whole different um, sport. You can't just have one star. Anyways, no. I could go on about that forever. No, <laughs> thank you. You, I'm just so glad that I am not just going off on this repeatedly saying that all the time and that that would breezy too, though. We do talk about the chemistry and how important yeah. that is. Can you talk now? Are the dogs done barking? Uh, well, I've been fighting with my dog's mom or my, my dog's mom. What am I talking about? My Your mom's dog's mom? dog. No, oh. I've been fighting with my mom's dog all day. He just is the loudest breather. He's a little bit older, so he's like not supposed to come upstairs and he keeps coming upstairs and then he keeps barking at God knows what. So um, hopefully he doesn't bark, but if he does, I'll mute myself again. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? I don't know. Now I'm just defending your leaves, perhaps. Oh, no. the leaves. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's definitely more than just two good players on the lease. We'll say that. But no, I mean, they do have. Yeah, their yeah. <laughs> they do have some chemistry and I think it's, you know, gotten better over the last couple of years, but I still, there it goes again. I still don't know if there's like that it factor with them as much as like you would want it to be. But I mean, we've talked so many times where it's like a random team will just come out of nowhere and you're like, where do they come from? Like the Minnesota wild were like last year, they, you know, what were they really doing? That was that well compared to this year where they're like crushing it almost every game. So, um, yeah, I don't really know what to defend there, but you want me to answer okay. that question? Yeah, go yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, I think what they were doing was okay. I am a lifelong Minnesota Wild fan, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I am qualified to make some grand assertion of what their general managers have done through the years. But for as long as I could remember, you know, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise were the franchise players of that team, and yeah. from what I had just you know, this is not confirmed by anybody important in the organization or anything that I'm with now, but like back in the day, all like they were just turning over GM versus and GM and head coach and head coach. And kind of what we've gathered is that, you know, Suter and Parise were really the ones who were setting the tone and the expectations for that team for so long when they got, you know, when they got rid of them and then, because they already had Kirill Kaprizov, but that's again, you can't just have one star player if the rest of the team isn't on isn't on board with what the new dynamic is going to be. They get rid of those two guys, bring in a couple of other guys that complement the players that they already have and that they wanted to keep, like uh, like Matt Dumba and Jared Spurgeon. Like they knew that they wanted to make those guys you know, give them bigger roles in this team, and th- that's what happened. I, if you ask me, I think that's what happened. Is they literally were like, all right we are closing that book that we hung our hat on for 15 years and we're trying something new. Yeah. And I think also to, to kind of piggyback on that, when you have, and I say older guys, but really they're, you know, mid thirties, whatever. Um, when you have those older guys on the team, it's almost like having like a boss who's set in his way where like he doesn't want to change or anything like that. And I don't want to say trim the fat, but you almost have to uh, when it comes to a hockey team, because you need to not have just like a one mindset kind of thing going forward. And to your point, exactly. I mean, as soon as I just noticed that when, as soon as they know those two guys left, it was like a rocket ship just took off. And I think that too, which I don't know that he necessarily dictated as much as, even though he was a little bit older, but that's another, you know, long time franchise player for the team. All three of those head out and something yeah. obviously changed. And used to kind of old school hockey and with the game changing so much and getting to this cool little, like, and you're seeing trick shots here and there. I mean, I don't know if Koivu or uh, Sutter, Sutter, Suter, Suter yeah. there's too many of them. Uh, too many. Yeah. I don't know if how thrilled they would be to see like these crazy shots or, you know, between the leg goals or anything like that. So, and you have to have certain things like that, you know, come into your team. Cause if you're going to play old school hockey 24 seven, like it's not going to work. So obviously there's uh, a reason why the Minnesota wild are doing well. <laughs> yes. There you have it. There you have it. <laughs> Yeah. Who's your favorite player to interview on the team? Oof. It depends like what we're talking. Like after, 
after a win how about after a win (laughs) okay i have multiple angles to this my my person who used to be my favorite person who we traded away was colin blackwell because he always gave you so much insight of hockey like a hockey Mm. answer and a human answer or a team answer and he would also talk and like genuinely listened to like what the question was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say in general, well, like somebody who's really fun, like Chris Drieger is so fun. He's a great interview. He does answer your questions. He's very honest. He, uh, and he's a human being. And so I think he's just like a great interview in general, but he's also a goaltender. So like, you don't necessarily talk to him a ton obviously uh i like talking to yanni gord a lot like he's generally pretty serious but he can be funny but he also like he will give me hockey answers like obviously they all they're professional hockey players like they all know this game but he will actually like if i like if you just ask this is not a necessarily a good question but if you ask something like like last night i asked him you know drieger has come up with some really big saves but he's facing a lot of more tough shots than he probably should be right now what can you guys do defensively to like help him he will actually tell you like we should do this we should do this that win this battle like play better on the boards like he'll actually like tell you instead of just like we gotta you know be harder on pucks or like just like get control of the pace it's like okay but how like he will Mm -hmm. actually give you like a nuts and bolts answer and so i appreciate that because it's like as a reporter asking you a question, it's like, I'm not just trying to like fill TV time necessarily. Like, and I really try to be very deliberate about the questions that I ask in the context of the game. Like, I'm not just trying to just like take up your time. So, and the fans also in Seattle too, like a lot, like I said, a lot of the fans are still learning the game. And so I really try to ask questions that will get them an answer where they learn something about like, okay, so given the context of what we saw there, here's the question, here's what the remedy to that would be or whatever it is, you know, or here's, here's why that happened and why they did that well. Like, anyway, so Yanni always gives you a very honest, legit answer, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think like, if, any, if anybody's like extremely fun. Has anybody pranked you? Are there any pranksters oh. on the team? There probably are, but nobody's <laughs> pranked me. We do this thing called a two minute minor where like during practice or whatever, I'll put them in the penalty box and we'll like set up all these GoPros in it and we'll like rapid fire silly questions at them to answer. I like it. <laughs> like I know like this isn't a prank, but just like Jonas Donskoy answered like four of the questions like about Pokemon in some way. Like he loves Pokemon, <laughs> I learned. Uh, Philip Grubauer, we just had him a couple weeks ago and these things have been running in the arena, like, and they're all over. So he hadn't taped his yet, but he'd seen them. So he was like aware, he was aware of them. And I write this little script for them and they're supposed to say like, uh, Hey, Kraken, or it's like the script is, Hey, I'm Philip Grubauer and I'm serving my two minute minor. But he was like, I don't need the script. I'm like, all right, here you go. And he was like, he's like, hello, Kraken Nation. My name is Philip Grubauer. And for the first time ever, I'm serving a two minute penalty because he's a goaltender. <laughs> and it was like, this is not what it, what it is. But we were like, he committed to it. He was so enthusiastic about it. We're like, this is, this is better than what I wrote. Yeah. So he's fun. <laughs> Yesterday he was asking me about, I had this hat. We just got back from a road trip really late last night. So we were in Dallas yesterday. Um, I was wearing this like blue hat around the traveling party. And we had our camera set up like where you could kind of see the guys coming out of the locker room and Grubauer didn't um, play last night. So he was kind of, you know, leading the, leading the high five line and whatever. And he's standing behind me. He's like, what happened to your hat? And I was like, oh, like I can't wear it on TV. And he was like, why not? It's a great hat. <laughs> I was like, because he is like one of I don't think I have it down here. It's like one of those hats that he always wears, like a kind of a European style, like mm. brim hat. And I was like, all right, I'll let my boss know. Groovy wants the hat back. So <laughs> yeah. he's, he's silly. Both the, both oh, that's the, nice. actually, all three of the goaltenders are very silly. So they and usually are. They all yeah. have, you know, as we know, um, when you go on the road, what's been a city that you've loved to visit, um, 
food you've had somewhere that's been incredible? Like what, what's that like when you're uh, at away games? Not in the arena, I mean, like food, like after the game, like when you're not eating in the arena. Like, I don't know. Uh, this arena has a great hot dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, um, I like the soft pretzels, uh, the Dallas Stars games. <laughs> yeah. So one, one thing I'll say is we have like, I'm not the only reporter. We have two reporters. We have two hosts. We have two analysts. We, have, you know, so I don't, I go on about half of the road trip. So there's a bunch of markets that I haven't gone to yet. Um, but I mean, for me, probably the best one was getting to go to Minnesota on Friday for the first time, just obviously I'm from there, but that was the first time I ever got to like cover an NHL game in my home state. And it was also against, you know, this electric Minnesota wild team. And I got to see, you know, people that I watched and mentored under when I was a college student back in the day, who still worked for the team and stuff. So like, that was just cool. And then like our color analyst, JT Brown, he also is from Minnesota, born and raised, and he played for the Minnesota Wild. He won a national title in that building. And we've got a bunch of players on our team who either played there, played for the Wild, or played for a college there, or are from Minnesota. So that was just really cool for, like, the whole – and I'm sure, you know, a lot – that happens a lot with, like, the Canadian cities and then Minnesota because so many of the players and, you know, people are from hockey cities and – and whatnot, but that was just really cool for, you know, for all of us. Uh, Coach Axel asked me, he was like, you got the whole city of St. Cloud here rooting us on? <laughs> I was like, five, there's five people here. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, like I would say that was really cool. Food-wise, I'm trying to think, like we're usually not there for very long. We are literally usually there, like maybe we get a meal. And for a lot of this season, uh, we weren't under NHL COVID protocols, we weren't allowed to leave our hotel rooms and we had to order in only. So I'm trying to think like we got in Buffalo, we got legit Buffalo wings. They were basically just like good wings. They didn't change my world or anything, but the home of the wings, you know, that was, that was a thing. Um, I would say that the uh, Detroit Red Wings arena, Little Caesars arena, their media meal is like the apparently it's like the best one in the league we have like this um this document going where we all like rank our favorite like media meals in the arenas and they had so much food and it was all really good so I, that was memorable but nice. there you go that's all i got for you <laughs> is there an uh, like a city or an arena that you haven't been to that you're most excited to visit Ooh, that's a good question um hmm I think there's a couple. I would really like to go to Tampa, even though it's not a hockey market necessarily. They, it, the arena, I mean, the fans after the kind of season they've gotten the last couple of years, obviously, uh, it looks amazing there. And Tampa as a sports market right now is just booming, obviously. So I would love to go there. I also, I know this also isn't, well, I'd love to go to TD Garden for sure. Just, like that's just would be an incredible bucket list. Like gotta gotta do that. Uh, and then I also would say probably the hurricanes, even though that's very random. My family all live in North Carolina now. They live in Wilmington, Wilmington though, which is a ways away. But um, it would be cool to get to go there, do a game, have my family actually get to be there with me for mm -hmm. one. Even though when I'm working, it's very hard to. Like you're working while the game is happening. You can't really just like leave. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, they're there. So that's yeah. all. I, I know those are, those are like really random answers, but no, they're not. They're oh. your answers. That's I not, know. They're not <laughs> random. No. Yeah. I'm like, uh, Montreal will be fine, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> What about, uh, talk about some of the differences between covering college hockey and NHL hockey, like, What's something notably different in in either the style of play, the players, coaching? Like, you know, we don't watch a lot of college hockey, so you know, fill us in on some of that, maybe. Um, one of the biggest things in terms of actually doing my job and reporting is that 
the amount of information available to me is completely different. Like I, I, you know, we would get, we would kind of get game notes in college hockey with like the really big notes, but not things that were like tracking streaks. And not only in the NHL do we get streaks, but we get all kinds of streaks. Like we'll get like, you know, blocks streaks or how, or, you know, career highs or season highs for both teams. Any night uh, you get you, so you get all of the stats and all of the streaks and all of the combinations possible, if that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, college hockey doesn't even really have any more. This is the first year that it went away, but like a really reliable live live stats site anymore. Mm-hmm. So when I was covering it, we kind of did, but even just like the stats available to you are just not the same. So um that's just been different generally making my job easier but just also learning a little bit more about some of these really advanced stats like okay how relevant is that to like kind of learning the context of like does that actually matter or is that just something that like you can measure for like over time like does that what does that stat tell you what is the story of that stat that's just been different Mm -hmm. having that available um mostly in a good way though and then one of the other things too would be Uh, covering college players most of them uh, it was their you know I was kind of the first like media tv reporter that they had worked with and I was like theirs like I was like I cover your team so I got to know them very well and there's only a couple print writers that also would cover you know them and so um, I was in some cases like their first kind of exposure to doing live TV interviews and like filming content to like fill shows and broadcasts and stuff like that versus NHL players. Like a lot, I mean, some of them are, are young and new, but a lot of them, you know, they've been team to team. They've been here, they've done this, they know that guy. They, so it's just a little bit different too. in just like building a relationship and in the kind of answers you get and in the kind of questions that you can ask, um, <laughs> You know, I've had times where I was interviewing 18-year-old hockey players who are really good hockey players, but they've never done a live TV interview in the middle of a game before. So it's just kind of uh, being a shepherd a little bit. Like, okay, uh-huh. stand here. Like, you're going to face here. Like, I'm going to step away, but it's okay. Like, you just kind of stuff like that. So, it's, but the game's most, I mean, the game, it's higher, it's faster paced, of course. Um, you know, bigger guys generally more skill and talent but college hockey is fun because it's also messy because you got so much like un um unharnessed skill and talent sometimes in college hockey where you like somebody will make an incredible play and then just completely biff it on like some horrible turnover like the next second because they because it's college hockey so and i love that about college hockey but when the guys are playing for paychecks they it matters a little bit more you know obviously (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. So we talked to the Kings amateur scout a couple weeks ago, and he said that he has a hard time watching a game as a fan over like a scout because he knows the game so well. So because you have, you know, grown up with the sport so much, like all of your answers that I've noticed are like very like intricate when it comes to like playing the game. Do you often see that it's hard to watch a game as like a fan over like, you know, that you'll probably have to like report on something or like there's things that you're watching. Like, do you have a hard time trying to like find that balance? It depends on what my level of investment is into said game. You know, like like if I actually care about it or if I actually care or know any of the players or the staff or, you know, if the result in some way is relevant to me, I would say it depends. It also depends how much I'm like sitting down and watching the game. Sometimes I'll just like turn on some, you know, some game between two teams that I'm not playing anytime soon and that we're not playing anytime soon that I don't necessarily need to know how this game turns out but sometimes I'll turn it on and like you know cook dinner or whatever and I can easily just like watch it as a fan and just listen and absorb you know but my heart's not like a fan if that like an invested fan in the game so I'm not necessarily I'm just observing more than caring as a fan I guess but you know I have a hard time watching a Kraken game (laughs) obviously (laughs) without without being invested 
Um, I have a hard time watching a Minnesota wild game as well. This is a little bit different though, for me, because even though I'm so excited that they're making this run and stuff like this team is like the wild team is almost like foreign to me in a way, because Mm -hmm. this last year where they've had this whole, you know, run and this turnover, I've been over here with the crack and I've been, you know, paying attention to what we're doing and building and getting to know these players. So it's been a little bit different. I'm like, who's that guy, you know, on the Wilds roster, which I'm like, what the heck is I, you know, have been following all of the, yeah. you know, the trades throughout the years and whatever. So it's, that's a little bit different, but uh, yeah, if I care about the game, like there's a couple teams that I like because I got friends who work for them, or I know people who are good friends with the players or I, a player that used to, you know, be on our team that I really liked or uh, you know, what, what have you, like, I love watching the, Canadians when they're playing well because I'm always cheering for Colt Caulfield and that whole storyline that they've got that they've got going on with their coaching change and like yeah you know and I'm sure yeah. throughout the years that the players that I covered as as teens and even I went to St. Cloud State with the like Will Borgen who plays for the Kraken I literally went to college with him and like Dennis Chalowski <laughs> so like I literally went to college with him <laughs> so like that's an interesting thing too is like there's always there's little ties there and then I'll care a little bit more, but yeah. Um, to answer your question, long story short, I don't think I have too hard of a time separating it, but it just kind of depends. Fair enough. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. And from your perspective as like an analyst reporter covering the Kraken, what do you think needs to happen in the off season and next season to see a better overall record at the end of the year? Hmm. Was that a nice enough way to say that? Yeah. <laughs> the team's you know, inaugural season performance. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit hard because on a piece of paper, you would think that the Kraken would be doing or would have done better than they have. And even, I mean, some of the guys that we traded away at the trade deadline are like really good hockey players. And we've Mm -hmm. been playing better since the trade deadline. So it's like, you look at guys like Callie Yarncroke, like leaving us, you're like, that's a good, like he, that was was one of our top line guys. Like that's a good hockey player. So you're kind of alarmed seeing, you know, and like seeing Gio go. And like, I really liked the way that Colin Blackwell played, but he was also a free agent. So I, I get that trade, you know, to the Leafs too and things, but it, it's been interesting just not fully being on the wavelength of understanding what the thought process is, but now they're playing way better hockey than they were before. So I don't even know that I can necessarily tell you. I mean, they got to get some more skill. They got, they have to get some more skill, Mm -hmm. but even more than that, I think that like now that they've kind of found a lineup that they actually like, or like certain lines and pairs that they have stuck with a couple games in in a row, that's been good for them. I mean, we just lost to the stars last night, but they played a really good game and Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But, um, that's, you know, that's another thing too. Like they were changing the lines, like every game, game to game to game. It was like, who's playing tonight? Who's scratched tonight? What's going on tonight? And I get why you got to do that. Cause you got to blend them up and find something that sticks. Absolutely. You know, find some chemistry. Who do you guys like playing with? You're all getting to know each other, but that's, I probably got to be the biggest thing is just find some, find some skilled guys, find some fast guys. Like they need, I mean, turbo's fast, but he's been out during the season and you got to have somebody who can keep up with him. He can't just like rip to the other side of the ice and nobody's there to catch his pass. Like anyways, ugh, that's not a very clear answer, but I think they need some more skill that, and they need some more speed and they just need some chemistry. And mm-hmm. one more note too, on the chemistry thing is, and th- th- this is what the guys have said a lot is like they, because of the COVID, you know, precautions and everything, they haven't really gotten a lot of time to do anything together. Like the team have scheduled very few bonding activities for them. Like they are, they're not banned from, you know, living their lives, but they're generally discouraged from like having a big party together just for obvious reasons. And that's, you know, things are lightening up now, like light a little bit now, but when you got to start your season where you're all wearing masks on a quiet plane, sitting three seats away from each other in a foreign locker room, and none of you really know each other at all. And you're all kind of similar-ish skill level guys. You're looking around the room, like, who's our star? Who's our leader? Like, it's just, I think all of those things are not secrets, <laughs> you know? And 
they're figuring it out though. So it'll be good. I have faith. Yeah. Got to make some trades. I got 35 draft picks in the next three years. So they got some draft capital. That's what Ron Francis says. He's going to make some trades this summer. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. That's the best part is like watching it grow. I think that's a much better way, honestly, from a fan's perspective to start out like this, where they are having to work to find out their how these players are truly going to mesh on the ice and the chemistry and the lines and, and making those changes as opposed to, I mean, everybody, which I think is wrong expected. I think a lot of people expected them to come out and play like the golden Knights. And also that was the same, not the same situation, but when they came into the league, right. It's this like blank slate, a bunch of guys on paper, are they going to mesh? Is this thing going to work? Um, and they just kind of had it. They had the chemistry. They had the other bonding moment of the tragedy that happened in Vegas. And so many other elements played into it. And so I think your explanation was actually spot on and really gave a better perspective because like, you're right, COVID, they don't get to bond together. They don't get to play cards on the plane next to each other, right? Like they're not doing these things that they normally do. And that's how you make chemistry is not just on the ice at practice, but off the ice, um, in the locker room, on the plane, traveling, like building that connection. So I think that was a really good insight. Well, and to, to your point as well, like, obviously we get a lot of questions about the comparison to the golden Knights and such, and what, you know, Ron Francis has pretty candidly said is that like they obviously did not make many trades in after the uh, expansion draft versus Vegas made a ton of trades and they were able to be very active during free agency that nobody wanted to trade with the Kraken because they didn't want to have another Vegas thing happened and like that like that is very well established like so the if you look at the roster that vegas initially drafted like you're not necessarily looking at that roster thinking that's a star team but that's not the team that's not even kind of the team that took the ice in their first game the kraken pretty much was the same roster i mean we have we just had cole lind who's he's a great kid but he just scored his first nhl goal uh last month i think he is two or three now we took him in the expansion draft from the Canucks. Like a lot of the players that, you know, were taken were um, in not necessarily like, especially not in Cole's case. That's not, he's not, he was never intended to be traded, but like, I don't know that when they drafted that team necessarily, the thought was that all of them would be the players that took the ice on the first cracking game. Mm-hmm. And most of them ended up that ended up being the case. So I also think that's a big difference. Like, yeah, not only the chemistry and, you know, the bonding and everything and being able to like pick guys who did play with each other before, like Vegas got to do the crack and mostly just got what they got and had to uh, work with it, pick up a couple guys in free agency and call it a day basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, also too, you got to think, you know, the current roster, the, the, the crack and have, they're going to be able to grow together, which ultimately after this season, after this whole COVID thing, they should be able to have a really strong bond and they could be, you know, how Vegas came out super strong, but in like a year or two, because now Vegas, I mean, they may not even make a playoff spot this year. So um, I think it's going to be exciting. I think the, the Kraken have a really exciting future ahead of them because they have, they don't have like a defined star player, at least in my eyes, that it's like these guys can all grow together. And who knows, you could have a star line, a two star lines that people are, that just come out of nowhere. Because as we know, the, the game of hockey changes and anything can happen. So um, I think Seattle, you know, has has some potential to uh, to be pretty crazy over the next year or two. Yeah. And even if you look at the trades that like they made at the trade deadline, the team now is different than it was during that first game. It is significantly different now and they're finding different ways to um, use guys. And a lot of the players that we picked up from team from, they were guys who didn't necessarily, they didn't want to leave the teams that they were with like Victor Rask and Daniel Sprong. And both of them have been great for the Kraken. Um, And another thing too, I mean, obviously you look at like the total points that the team has and, you know, the performance overall, and you don't necessarily think 
like, wow, good for them. But a lot of the players are setting insane career highs in things like, like, okay, Carson Soucy, for example, he was always like pretty solid defenseman for the Minnesota wild, but he played three, I think he was there for four seasons and he had 31 points there his whole time that he was there. He's already got 20. He already, I mean, he's, he's already set a new career or he's already set a new season high in assists in shorthanded goals and in goals. And Jared McCann and like all, like I can't even give you the list because there's like eight of them or nine of them who have already <laughs> set career highs in like in assists and in goals and in yeah. hits and in like, and all of the things, because it's an inherent opportunity when you have to step up and play. And so it's like, yeah, you look at, you know, Yanni Gord just scored his 100th career goal um, last night, which is a huge milestone for him. He's an undrafted player. But then when you think, well, Kirill Kaprizov just hit 100 points this season, you're like, oh, whatever. But it's just it's a whole different like scale and uh, the kind of roles that these guys used to play with the teams that they were with for a long time versus the roles that they're being asked to play now. It's a whole opportunity. And that's what they'll tell you as well. It's just a whole different hockey game for them, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we should hit her with our rapid fire final three. All right, go for it. Who is your ultimate hockey hunk? I don't know. Like, I guess I would say just like growing up, it was always Zach Parise. Like, I don't know. I'm sure nowadays there's better looking people. I don't know. But as a teen, it was always Zach Parise. Like, if you are like a hockey fan of Minnesota, that's your boy. <laughs> so we're going to just pretend you didn't say your husband. Oh, right. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, he would okay. probably Parise. His hockey <laughs> hunk is Carson Soucy. He loves Carson Soucy, okay. but mostly it kind of became a, it's like a bit now, but <laughs> like a joke. But he does like Carson Soucy. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's funny. And who is your favorite hockey lady? Okay, can I have two or no? Yeah, of course. There's not really any rules if you this. want, <laughs> other than you have to answer. <laughs> first one would be cami granado because she's just a legend uh and being that i was with the badger hockey program for you know a couple seasons working with tony granado and being able to see uh you know rob granado step into new roles and cami go to the kraken and now cami's with the canucks obviously like just the ties to the family I love and she's a legend on the ice and she is a trailblazer in terms of women in the game and in the league and big time stick tap she's also super nice and super smart and somebody that I just um have always really liked and looked up to is Carlin Baith and I know that you guys have talked to her before I believe but um, when I first started covering college hockey, she was, I think she was still like pretty new to the Kings and the broadcast side, but my old boss uh, used to be pretty involved with some of the Fox sports West uh, broadcasts and whatever. And he was like, you know who I think you would really like is this gal, Carlin Bates. She shoots a lot of her own stuff. She does a lot of like the hockey, like blogging. She kind of does the MMJ thing. She loves the same kind of music as you do. He was like, I would keep tabs on her if I were you. And I was like, okay but then i did and now we're friends and i love her yeah. but i always did so uh that's there's my answers she's a great one she's awesome she's incredible um yeah. we had so much fun having her on too so and then the final question is do you have a sydney crosby story i don't have a sydney crosby story um i do have a jersey that i bought that well okay i guess i have a I, they're not super cool stories but i have the penguins winter classic jersey i think it's 2011 or 2012 uh it's the like really cool blue ones and i just loved that that design and so i knew i wanted one and i was like well who am i gonna get and i was like well i'll get sydney crosby get the c you know so mm -hmm. i have that i love that uh the other one i would say is like my my uncle who's he's only like a couple years older than me but he has always been a hockey fan. He played junior hockey, whatever, whatever. He lives in Kentucky now where there's like no hockey, but he always loved the Penguins because Sidney Crosby was like the guy, you know, when he, he was the Connor McDavid of the time and he's still Sidney Crosby. Like, you know, 
no disrespect uh but he's got a bunch of crosby stuff and i have now my little cousin who's like four skates around in his crosby jersey like every time they're sending pictures at the rink he's in his little crosby sweater so you know i like that too gives me good positive affiliations there (laughs) tell everybody where they can follow you on social media you could follow me on social media on Twitter. I am at Piper Shaw TV. No underscores or anything cool on Instagram. I'm at Pip underscore Shaw. And I have a TikTok as well that has, I don't post a lot on there. And I also don't remember my handle, but if you search my name, I'll definitely come up. If you search Piper Shaw. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time after a road trip and a long plane ride and getting up and and chatting with us and filling us in on all things Seattle Kraken. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, you guys. I hope I didn't talk your ears off too much. No, no, you could not never hear. We're always down for lots of hockey talk. So thanks. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.